Hi, everybody. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Again, in this series, I want to discuss the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture and whether or not it has any validity in Scripture. So, if you're one of those who don't buy into the post-trib, in other words, that you do believe in a pre-trib rapture, hold on tight, hear me out, and consider these things. First of all, let me just say, it doesn't matter whether I believe something or not. Who am I? But what, it do, what does matter is the Bible and what God says in it to you and to me as his people. Most people are shockingly ignorant about anything in prophecy, first of all. They don't read their Bibles. How are they going to know? Well, they're sure not going to get it off of television or YouTube. Well, actually, you could on YouTube. But I want to go over some of this stuff because I got a lengthy four-page letter from a gentleman who says that, well, there's just a whole bunch of things that are messed up in this. He says there's no purpose for the church in the tribulation. He says the wrath to come is steady, a steady, unrelenting, uncompromising judgment against evil in all forms and actions. And wrath is something different, in my view, than maybe in his mind or something like that. But I want to go over Matthew 24 and Isaiah 34 and 35 because there are some great things in there. Is there going to be a pre-tribulation rapture? What would be the point of doing that? In my understanding, the, um, the tribulation is supposed to last seven years. That's a long time. It's a long time for the saints to be up there doing nothing in heaven or wherever they think that they're going to be stationed at the time of this pre-trib rapture. What are we going to be doing? What's the purpose for the church in a pre-trib rapture? He says there's no purpose in the church being in the tribulation, but there is a purpose, whatever it is, in a pre-trib rapture. I'm saying no, no. He also inserts a number of scriptures that aren't really pertinent to anything in this discussion. He says, Believers in the, or of the church age have been balanced between knowing the rapture is coming and not knowing exactly when. Well, and then he talks about uh, this blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? Well, to them... To, to them being the believers in a pre-trib rapture, the blessed hope would be that they get snatched away, caught up, and out of the trouble 
that is coming on the earth. But I don't think that's what God has in mind as our blessed hope. Well, I want to give you a little history of the pre-trib rapture idea. In 1788, that's the earliest uh, place where the idea was put forth. It was by a man, it was in an essay by a man named Morgan Edwards. And then a little later in 1811, it was also in an essay by Manuel Lacunza. In 1827, just a little later, John Nelson Darby came out with his Bible. And then the Schofield Reference Bible in the 1890s had a footnote. And that footnote mentioned the pre-trib rapture. And uh, before 1788, there was no teaching, no Christian believed in that to our knowledge, to our research, to anywhere I could find uh, rather quickly, trying to find an earlier um, batch of Christians who purported or believed this idea. So it's a relatively new phenomenon in the, the Christian realm. In 1970, much later, Hal Lindsey came out with his book, 1984, a wildly popular millions and millions of sales book, but it talked about the pre-trib rapture. And Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins in their Left Behind series, which came out much later, also purported that there would be a pre-trib rapture. Well, I went to see Jerry Jenkins uh, up in Orlando, and we talked about this. I asked him point blank, is this based on the Bible or on fiction? He said fiction. <laughs> what? He is the with writer. The with writer is the guy that actually fleshes out uh, the idea. The idea was Tim LaHaye's idea. Let's make a series of books about the pre-trib rapture. That was his idea. Jerry Jenkins, being a very good writer, fleshed it out. But I was sort of uh, glad and, and uh, dumbfounded at the same time by his honesty. He just came right out and said it's fiction. Well, he ought to know he wrote it. So, you know, this whole thing is is a is a lie. It, it's a fiction. It's it's not the truth. It's not out of the Bible. Now, let's check out some things. Let's go to John chapter seventeen. This is the prayer of Jesus, the real, true prayer of Jesus Himself, not His. Um, sample outline prayer, you know, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, all that. John 17, it's, it makes for good reading. This is a very powerful uh, section of Scripture. 
Here's what he says. Father, the hours come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. And I'm reading in the NLT, by the way. Verse 2. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life. You notice that? For you have given him authority over everyone. King of kings, anybody? Lord of lords? Prince of peace? Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, that's Jesus. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to eternal life. This is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom, uh, the one you sent to the earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you've given me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, and they know that I came from you and believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me. So they bring me glory." Now I am departing from the world, and they are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. Verse 12. During my time here on this earth, in other words, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hang on a second. Did you get that? I'm not, this is Jesus praying to God the Father. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Did you ever notice that before? I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Exactly. This doesn't sound to me much like, you know, why didn't he just pray it like this? I'm asking you to take them out of the world to protect them from the evil one. No, he didn't say that. He said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you, in other words, would keep them safe from the evil one. Uh, let's take Noah, for example. Did God keep him from that? 
that uh, the, the time when God was going to destroy all the people on the world, did he, did he snatch him away and take him out of there and then bring him back when it was all over? No. He had to go through it. He, had to, he spent 120 years building that ark. That was a lot of work. Absolutely. But he protected him through the storm, not away from the storm. And let's take Moses and the children of Israel. Did they just get snatched away someplace? No, they had to go through the wilderness, through the trouble, through being chased by uh, Pharaoh and his henchmen. And let's take Lot, for example, in Sodom and Gomorrah in that time. Did he just snatch him away, him and his two daughters and his wife, just snatch him away, get him out of the trouble, and then nuke Sodom and Gomorrah, Admazeboam, and Bela, those five cities on the plain. Well, no, he had to gather his things, try to convince his sons-in-law to come with them, and they thought he was joking, so they made fun of him and didn't go, and they themselves got destroyed as a result. And then his wife on the way out of town, you know, the angels are there pushing them. Let's go. Come on. Let's move it. What happened to her? She looked back and she got turned into a pillar of salt because of her disobedience. Angels have a lot of power, my friends, a lot of power. They're much more powerful than you and I as humans. No, Jesus and his angels kept them, all these people, Noah, Moses, the children of Israel, all three million of them or so at the time, Lot and his two daughters, safe from the evil one. But he didn't uh, prevent his wife, Lot's wife, from turning back or looking back against the wishes and command of the angels, we all still have our choices to make, even if we get ushered out of the land of trouble. We need to all, I need to trust in God through my troubles, through my trials, through my tribulations, if you will. Well, I can see by the clock on the wall, we better get after Matthew 24, or I'm going to run out of time. So let's just do that. Let's just see if there's a tribulation anywhere, or not a tribulation, a um, snatching away, a pre-trib rapture anywhere in Jesus' words in chapter 24 of Matthew. This is where Jesus was telling his disciples what would happen in the end times. Here's what he said. Verse 4, chapter 24, Matthew, 20, Matthew 24. Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, saying or claiming, I am the Messiah. You know that Jesus is the Messiah. They will deceive many. 
and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. All this, or, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Birth pains increase over time toward birth. Verse 9, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. This would have been a great time if the rapture, the pre-trib rapture was real to say, then you will be raptured away, snatched out of the troubles that are coming on the earth. But no, he said, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Now, how would that happen? Well, as Islam increases, what do you see? You see more and more hatred spreading all over wherever they go. And so there's the fulfillment. You will be hated. As Christians, you will be hated. Or Jews, you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. We follow Jesus. And many will turn away from me and betray me and hate each other. Now, why would Christians hate each other? Why would they betray and why would they turn away from Jesus? I'll tell you. It's because they will think that there is no more hope. If they believed in the pre-trib rapture and it didn't come when they wanted him to or expected him to, what will they do? They'll give it up. There will be a great falling away first. Continuing on in verse 11. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. Not a word yet about a pre-trib rapture. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. We'll, we'll see more of this in a minute. The good news about the kingdom of God will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Verse 16. Then those who... Those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. Now, this sounds a lot like a great lot of trouble. The great great tribulation, in other words. Verse 22, In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. Do we grasp that? Do we do we get a handle on that? Can we feel that? That's 
really tough stuff. You can see why Christians would give up hope. If they believe in a pre-trib rapture that doesn't come, they'll lose faith, more than likely. It says, in fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. That's when they don't expect Jesus. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. There you have it. The purpose of the church staying and not going in a rapture is for the sake of hope. We have hope. We will, the, the time will be cut short to save God's chosen ones. Isn't that what happened in Noah's day? God chose Noah and his three sons and their wives and their children and his wife. God saved the children of Israel and Moses in those days. He also saved uh, Lot and his two daughters So, in essence, he shortened the time of the troubles that were happening in those days for the sake of God's chosen ones. He continues in verse 23, Then, if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. We're not supposed to be the ones deceived. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. Verse 26, If so, if anyone says to you, Look, the Messiah is out in the desert. Don't bother to go and look. Or, look, He's hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. Now verse 29. If Let me just tell you this. If you understand verse 29 and what's going to happen, you will have a great advance or you'll be miles ahead of people that don't understand that verse when it comes to understanding prophecy. Here's what it says. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened The moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Ask your pastor what all that means. I'll guarantee you he won't have a clue. As a rule. Briefly, I'm going to unpack it. Here's what I think. Here's what I believe. Based on the study of the Word of God. Isaiah 34 has a lot to say about this. Let's just go there a second. Isaiah 34, 1. Come here and listen, O nations of the earth. Let the world and everything in it hear my words. For the Lord 
is enraged against the nations. His his fury is against all their armies. He will completely destroy them, dooming them to slaughter. Wow. The heavens above will melt away, verse 4, and disappear like a rolled-up scroll. The stars will fall from the sky like a withered Uh, the withered leaves from a grapevine or shriveled figs from a fig tree. When my sword has finished its work in the heavens, it will fall upon Edom, the nation I've marked for destruction. Well, that's the Middle East. Saudi Arabia, Yemen, um, Iran, Iraq, Syria, Turkey, all over. Uh, Dropping down to verse 8, For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, the year when Edom will be paid back for all it did to Israel. The streams of Edom will be filled with burning pitch, and the ground will be covered with fire. This is the judgment on Edom that will never end. The smoke of its burning will rise forever. The land will lie deserted from generation to generation, and no one will live there anymore. Now, that sounds pretty desolate and dire to me. There's not going to be any anything left. Verse 16 says, Search the book of the Lord and see what he will do. Exactly. There is good news beyond that, though, because with the return of Christ, the deserts become green again as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. That's verse 2, chapter 35. Well, verse 1 says, Even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and they will blossom with spring crocuses. Wow! With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands. For there will be the Lord himself. He will display his glory, the splendor of our God. That's the second coming. That's the return of Christ. Let's remember what we just uh, read earlier in this podcast. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Would have been a perfect time for him to talk about the rapture, but no. He doesn't mention any of that. Now, go back with me, if you would, to Matthew 24. We just read verse 29. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened. Isaiah 34 says it's because of burning pitch in the Middle East. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars would fall from the sky. Well, those are not stars as we know stars are suns. The Greek there is asteros. Asteroid is, the, you know, it's it's where we got that root word from. And uh, those stars, they're not really asteroids. Those are satellites. We have put up there, believe it or not, almost 25,000 satellites. That's what keeps the internet alive. They will fall to the ground. Why? Because they're controlled by radio telescopes stationed all over the globe that fire retro rockets, keeping those satellites in their proper orbit. 
when that black smoke from the fires in the Middle East that are going to happen in World War III, the smoke is going to cover the whole earth. Darkness will keep the earth from being visible from heaven and from the heaven or the stars being visible to us on earth. That's how dark it's going to be. That's why he said in verse 35, heaven and earth will disappear. (laughs) How's the earth going to disappear? Well, it's going to be covered by black smoke. But there's not a word about this uh, pre-trib rapture idea anywhere in Matthew 24, except verse 31. He will send his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. But see, this is, okay, in verse 30, he says, and at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. This is after the war, after the tribulation. This is at the end of our hope as a world. He's coming at the last trump, not the first one. Let's keep that in mind. That's where we're going to have to stop today. I'm Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. If you want to know more, you can go to my website, itellwhy.com. I don't have anything for sale. I don't want your email address. I'm not going to contact you or call you or anything. But there's a lot of material there you can read and study. So I'm only doing it to help you grow. So it's for your benefit. Until next time, we'll see you later. Happy Memorial Day.